Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. And for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Welcome to Guy Talk. Where's that, where that from, guys? That's from Romans. No, no. Wrong. Uh-oh. You know, it's not a good way to start Tom Talk. <laughs> it's from the Bible. Uh, there you go. New Testament. That's a better answer. Now, of course, Caption's probably Googling it. So uh, I'm just guessing Philippians, Galatians, Colossians, anyone. <laughs> That's so. the level of expertise you can come to expect from Guy yeah, Talk. Yeah, we do so, our best. In other words, uh, let us know what your questions are. 877-933-2484. We'll get someone yeah, better equipped than these guys. I'll be leaving now. Bye-bye now. Was Colossians chapter 1, mm. verse I was going to say nine, mm. verse 9. Let me I read it again. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be amazing to discover how many people when we get to heaven literally prayed for us continually? Oh, that'd be awesome. I would love My that. grandma did. That's wonderful, Tom. That's uh, probably why I'm sitting here. I bet yeah. a lot of grandmas prayed. Yeah, uh, I bet so, in, too. Yeah, in, in big ways. Yeah, they did. Indeed. They did. Yeah. yeah. They're, uh, so let's just say thanks to all the grandmas Amen. out there. Amen. Who uh, were such incredibly committed to praying for their grandkids. Mm-hmm. What a difference it's made in so many lives. It has. Yeah. Anyway, welcome to Guy Talk, or Guys Who Talk. The power panel today is Pastors Tom Brock, Tom Parrish, and Peter Kapsner. We are gentlemen exactly one week away from the big Guy Talk Live. Ooh, exciting. Can can you believe there's still a few open seats? (gasps) Can you believe that? No, I can't. Uh, It shouldn't be that way. It should be full. A question thousands of your listeners are are wondering, though, is whether it be a time for us to sign autographs. (laughs) <laughs> I'd be curious if anyone asked for one. <laughs> Bill, do you mind when people ask your autograph? Um, well, the only time I've been asked is at the end of my show. Uh-huh. Really? I mean, not this show, the okay. other show I did well, the, the Yeah, you were yeah. a magician. Yeah. Well, and, and you don't know the smaltziest line Act I've ever door. heard? What's that? Miss Joan Crawford, supposedly. Miss Crawford, do you mind when people ask you for... Your autograph. Mind. When they stop asking, that's when I'll mind. Yeah. I would have people ask if I would sign their program. Oh, and I'd sign sure. it and I would hand it back to them. And I would usually say, this is now uh, worth less. <laughs> <laughs> but let me know what the questions are for today. 877-933-2484. And if you want to get involved and say, I want to come over to Northwestern, University of Northwestern, obviously those for people in the area, you can be part of Guide Talk Live happening happening next Thursday at uh, 4 p.m. right here in the Mel Johnson studio. It is on the main level. We're upstairs right now in the studio, but we're going to have a makeshift studio on the main floor. Lots of room, plenty of space. You're not going to be crowded or cramped. And you can come and witness what I call Guy Talk Live. And you can bring your questions. You can ask them in advance. You can ask them on the air. It's going to be really fun. That'll be great. It's going to be a meet and greet. 
We have got some apple cider coffee and some cookies for those who might be interested uh, for a little bit of light refreshments. And then you can uh, enjoy 90 minutes of Guy Talk, a little extended version next week. How are those four-week-old cookies on your table doing? They're now five weeks. Are they yeah, five? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, at week four they were edible, but now, now I'm not so sure. Okay. But they will be ready, and I'll open them for you uh, next week. And all you have to do to say, I want to come to this and be part of it, is text the word EVENT. Text the word EVENT to 877-933-2484. Just uh, no quotations, no extra words, nothing. Just EVENT, E-V-E-N-T, 877-933-2484. And we'll text you a link. You can just say, yeah, I want to come. We'll get your name, and then we'll know you're coming. So we've got limited space available, but we still have room for a few more. So let me know how... um, what we can do, but we'd love to have you here and we'd love to meet you in person. Shake your hand firmly while right. maintaining Sign good your eye out, contact. Sign an autograph. What's with the autographs, Tom Brock? Well, that doesn't ever happen to me. Tom, are you, are you going to give away your book? I don't have a book, Tom, <laughs> like you do. Oh, come on. You have, what, three? I do have three. Bring, mm-hmm. bring some of your books. I will. Maybe we'll give a couple of ways of prizes, if you don't mind. Not at all. And Peter, you don't have books and I don't either, so we're good. Indeed, indeed. Um, Tom Brock or Tom Parrish, we were talking in the green room about something out of Colossians, which uh, attracted my attention right away. Tell me it is what you were saying again, because I've already forgotten. And you've probably forgotten as well. Yeah, I have. You were talking about a passage from Colossians about, um, let's see. Oh, that we talk about uh, let the Word of God dwell on you yes, richly? Yes, that's exactly Of it. course, yeah, yes. let the Word of God dwell on you richly. The word dwell, I did some real research there, and literally what it means, and I'm going to be preaching on this this Sunday, and I'm going to have a video, it's like a sponge. And so I've got a video of a sponge sitting on a table, and then a guy pouring water on it, and how that sponge just gets almost three, four times its size as it fills up. To dwell on God's Word is to be like that sponge and absorb the Word to where it so fills us up that we're, we're much greater and much different than we were when we began. And I think that is the room the Holy Spirit needs in us because when we're out in public and elsewhere, to be able to speak for the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't always mean we can quote a scripture verse, the you know, chapter and verse, but we speak biblically, and the Holy Spirit can pull that out of us. So the goal is to let that get deep within us, and I love that verse because that's been my goal for a long time, get the word in as deep as you can, for myself and then for others as I share it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Parish, I think what part of what I love about that is that uh, there's an understanding from the ancient Hebrew culture that to obey, and and sometimes I think the word obey is I've got to learn a command and then do my best to do it, and and that's probably part of what it means to obey. But within the Hebrew psyche, it was the idea to live within the voice of God, to to be mm-hmm. living within His breath, actually where his word is is dwelling in you in these kinds of ways. So I think when you're dwe- when the word is dwelling within you like that, you can't help but be the kind of person who is increasingly consistently walking within the kingdom. So I do love that idea of dwelling within his breath and clearly the the scriptures are his god-breathed word. So as we dwell in those things, we begin to kind of just obey without even thinking about obeying. We're just walking within the ways of God. Exactly. It becomes and part of us. The way I'm being a sponge for the Word of God, I, I did it, I think, today, too. When I can't sleep, I have the Bible.is app on my phone. I push the button, and they read the Bible to me while I'm laying in bed. I have that. It's good. And it's just, you really, 
I mean, I can't obviously tell you if, if a verse is in Romans or Colossians from a few minutes ago, but I can kind of, if Bill would have started that verse, I might have been able to finish it. Because if you just listen enough, it's it just you just absorb it. His Bible is still a free app. Bible.is is free. It's free. Yeah. Otherwise, they could come to your house and you could play it for them. Uh, there you go, Tom. <laughs> It'll be fun. <laughs> Well, and Bill, you and I were chatting recently, if I remember correctly, about some statistics in the next generation about how much of God's Word the next generation is familiar or perhaps unfamiliar with. Wasn't mm-hmm. it something to the extent of 96 or 98 percent of young people don't really know any of the Scriptures anymore? It was it was a really high number, if a, I remember correctly. It was correctly. a dis- disproportionately high number. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I was told that now, when professors take students to Europe for their semester abroad, take them to the great art museums of, of Europe, the students have no idea what they're looking at because 50% of them are religious art, like Daniel and the Lion's Den. But they're seeing all these pictures and nothing is ringing uh, home for them because they don't know the Bible. Mm. It's interesting. One of my professors who was incredibly evangelical, and he would literally go out and knock on doors and talk to people about Jesus. So it was, he led a lot of people to the Lord. After he had left the seminary or he had died, it was years later I found out he had memorized, are you ready, the entire New Testament, mm-hmm. word for word, and it was so deep within him that he could talk to people, and no matter what the topic, he could tell them what God's Word said about mm-hmm. it. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's well, ring kind of stuff. That is right. <laughs> Drop some toothpicks around. Right. Sure, right? <laughs> but I think there's an opportunity in this, too, for people who maybe are, are listening and have studied the Word. There, There is a hunger among young people that maybe they can't even name that hunger for sure. But I know in this past week, uh, a student, uh, she's a freshman at Northwestern, University of Northwestern St. Paul. She's been friends with my daughter for quite some time, and, and so I've known her uh, outside of just being a student, but she approached me and our family this last week and said, hey, we would just really love to come to your house on a Sunday afternoon and uh, and just sort of have a bit of a home service of some kind. We're not talking about a, a church or anything like that, but we're just talking, they just want to sit and have the opportunity to learn. And I thought, okay, that's fine. I thought maybe it would be she and, and a few of her friends. And I said, how many are you thinking about? And she said, well, I know we could start with at least 15, but it, you know, we could get a lot more from there. I thought, wow. And then she started talking about plans for lunch and dinner and everything. And I thought, wow, this is, it, it was really interesting. And, and so I think we're probably going to move forward with that. And I'm really curious to see what it's like for them to just be exposed to conversations from within the scriptures and, and, um, and what their level of literacy is. I just, I, we talk all the time, right, about how young people just have so much anxiety and turmoil and depression and uncertainty. And I think this is one of the ways in which anybody who has some knowledge of the scriptures can start coming around some people and say, hey, why, why don't we just get into the Word together on some level? Because I think that hunger remains. Peter, a missionary that I knew said this very well. He said, inside of every person is a giant jigsaw puzzle, and all the pieces are scattered. They're upside down. They're all twisted. You don't even know what the picture is, but you so long to see the picture that you're mm-hmm. begging for it to happen, which is what you're seeing in young people. Our goal, who know the Word, who know Jesus, is to take the time to be with them and to start to put the puzzle together for them. And the Holy Spirit will then reveal to them, ultimately, who Jesus is. And that's why I always try to get people in the Gospel of John or something like that, so they can really, the puzzle starts to come together. And it's amazing what happens when you spend that time with people. And along those lines, was it St. Augustine that said, in every human heart there's a God-shaped vacuum? 
And if you try to fill it with something else, it just doesn't fit. It kind of rattles. Yeah. The only thing that'll fit that God-shaped vacuum perfectly is God. Exactly. That was, pa- that was Pascal. You're over two today, bro. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was in the book of Colossians. Do, do I get so to come I next week? Uh, well, Can I still sign autographs? You're, you're on probation for right now. <laughs> <laughs> Let me take a little break. We'll come back. Lots more guy talk. Let me know where your questions are. We're going to get to them. Uh, 877-933-2484. If you want to witness guy talk live, let me know. Text the word event to 877-933-2484. We'll get your name on the list. We'll meet and greet you. We look forward to seeing your face, your smiling face, and we can't wait for this to happen. This is happening one week from today. Starting at 4 o'clock, we're going to run the extended 90-minute version of Guy Talk. We're going to have a blast. Make sure you uh, can make time to be there. If you're in the Twin Cities area, 877-933-2484. you're just joining Guy Talk, Tom Brock is leading the rebukes with two. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. Tw- wrong twice. Wrong twice. And it's, you know, 18 minutes after the hour. Wrong three twice. times you're out. Okay. <laughs> Don't worry. There's plenty of plenty of opportunities. Yeah. Yes. Correct me on the air. Yeah. Okay. Say, Peter, uh, you sent me something, I think, with the last couple of weeks that I thought was brilliant, spectacular. I don't know if you want to share some of it, but we were... Uh, one of the first things you you talked about was a person's need to really get the Word of God in them. And I think you were encouraging believers to have like, I don't know, 50 or 60 verses of Scripture memorized. Is that something that you remember sending me that you w- would even want to talk about? Well, yeah, I don't I don't remember the um, all of what we talked about there in that, but... Um... Gosh, what were we talking about, Bill? I'm just—it's—it's it's on the periphery of my we, mind, we and I were, remember sending it yeah, to you, but we're, I remember the entirety of it. Yeah, we we're just talking about the direction of younger people today, and there's so much biblical illiteracy. And yeah. what does it take to feel like you're—you're you're more equipped to have the Holy Spirit lead you? And if you've got the Word of God in your heart, you're going to be in a much better position for the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you through conversations. Not to yeah, mention, give sure. you strength and hope. Yeah, for sure. Because I think one of the things we underestimate is not just the idea that the scriptures are God-breathed, and they clearly are, but they're also all being written from a kingdom worldview. And the importance of that is that there's so many different kinds of worldviews that we that, that guide our daily decision-making. Sometimes they're known, and sometimes they're unknown to us. Uh, certainly, a country in which you grew up, uh, grow up is going to have a worldview associated with it that just gets embedded into your psyche. And, and the scriptures are coming from the unique kingdom point of view. And so I, I do find that young people, if they know some of the scriptures, they tend to know maybe 10 to 15 verses that have been plucked out and, uh, and used in certain kinds of ways. But if you can just uh, learn a, a passage a day for 30 to 60 days, I think not only do you have those scriptures, but you, you also start developing a kingdom worldview. And, and that is so helpful for then being able to distinguish the kingdom worldview versus the, the views that we're just kind of walking in all day long. And I don't know, Bill, I've become more and more convinced that Satan's primary weapon is deceit. I, I think mm-hmm. Satan's 
weapons when they're very overt, like warfare and and uh, drug use and um, and murder and these are you know they're they're horrifying. But if he's the father of lies, it means that we we tend to live in a world that is one big fog of deceit, that's filled with all kinds of worldviews that are promising hope and life, but yet as we follow them, they lead to sort of the death of the soul and. And I think to to be a person of scripture, to be just learning one verse a day for 30 or 60 or 90 days, you will, before you know it, end up seeing things through the lens of the kingdom more often than not. And it can kind of cut through the fog then. Good word. I like that, Peter. You're absolutely right. It is getting people into it. And why I always push the gospel of John and really challenge people to, to answer one question per day per chapter and have one challenge is that by chapter 12 or 13, I saw many of those people literally getting on their knees and repenting and asking Jesus into their life. And these were people that started out as agnostics, uh, you know, drifted away from the church. But getting people close to the Word of God has its own power, and we forget that. And as a result, you know, it's not enough to get somebody just to come to church to hear a sermon. If we can get them actually into the Word, it's so much better. And, you know, for me, it's hard for me to memorize a Bible verse. It, for some reason, it's just hard. And I, when I was at Bethel College as a senior, we had to memorize the whole 13th chapter of First Corinthians. And I can still do it because I put it to music. Hmm. And then years ago, I wanted to memorize the first part of Romans 6. I can still do it because I put it to music. Sure. And you know the song, Make a Joyful Noise unto the Lord, remember that? That's, that's the, whole, the whole psalm. If you know that song, you know the whole psalm. So I, I should memorize Scripture more. But the scripture that I know often is because I put it to a tune. We all have different learning styles, yeah. and I think this is important because some people learn they need the, the they can do it just visually. My wife doesn't need music or anything else. She can just look at it and memorize it. Mm-hmm. I'm the type, I need to look at it and physically do something. I yeah. move. It's called kinesthetic. Yes. You need the audio or mm-hmm. the, the musical. Mm-hmm. But here's the embarrassing part. I can be in the car, and I can hear a song from the 50s or 60s, and I can sing the song. The lyrics, oh, me too. right on the mark. Exactly. But if you asked me to sing that, to tell you the lyrics to that song without the music, I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Maybe you ought to be thinking about how do we put more of the scriptures to music in a way that works for people so they can remember it. I think it'd be great. So when you sing along with somebody, who do you think you sound like? I want to hear how deluded you guys are. <laughs> I, I'm definitely Elvis Presley. Okay. <laughs> I'm James Taylor. Thank you. I thought yeah. I was James Taylor, too. Until I oh, put man, a Sony Walkman on once and then <laughs> sang along into a recorder. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I would say Bart Simpson for me. Okay. <laughs> that makes sense. All right. In <laughs> Hebrews 5, it says Jesus learned obedience. Why does it use that language if he was fully omniscient? Is he speaking about his, is it speaking about his human nature? Well, he, now he, don't yell at me and don't call me a heretic. This is number when, three time. When he, <laughs> when he was in human form... He left some of his omniscience, his all-knowingness, in heaven. And it says that in Scripture. It, the, it says Jesus grew in wisdom yes. and statue. The lady uh, grabs his, the hem of his garment, and he turns around and says, Who touched me? And the disciple says, well, What do you mean? Everybody's touching you. No, I felt, I felt power go forth from me to heal this woman. And it says he didn't know. The disciples say, Jesus, when are you coming back? Only the Father in heaven knows. Mm-hmm. Now, I think he, Jesus knows now when he's coming back. But when he was in human form, there were some things 
that he chose not to know to be a truly human being. And he really didn't know in that sense. He had to learn because we do as well. There's so much we don't know about the kingdom of God, about the nature of God himself. We learn that, and Jesus demonstrated that and showed that it can be done yeah. perfectly and, by faith in him. And this, I mean, I remember at Bethel College sitting in a Bible class, and when the professor made the point that two-year-old Jesus could not do trigonometry, I said, wait a minute. He was God. Of course he could do trigonometry. But the professor was making the point he was true God and true man. Yeah, we haven't talked about that enough in Christianity to make that understanding. I think it's confusing for many people. If he's truly God, why didn't he know all of this? And yet at the same time, he was truly man, which means in his earthly walk, being truly God, he gave up a lot of his power and a lot Mm -hmm. of his understanding and walked with the Father. And that's Philippians 2. Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped and held on to, but he emptied himself, taking the form of his servant. Do you have music that goes with that? Uh, No, but it is Philippians chapter 2. Two. I, I love that. it. I got that right, Bill. I love it. That's yeah. a good one. That's you're, a good you're one. Good at, you're good at knowing where verses are <laughs> in the Bible. Yes, you are. You are really good at that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So I'm done complimenting you now. Ooh. Hey, if I could just jump in quickly on that one, too. We just got done reading. <laughs> not um, too quickly. <laughs> not let's, too. <laughs> let's, let's mull over that compliment. I will mull, mull over your amazing <laughs> grasp of Scripture, Brock, for sure. Thank you. I love it. Now, just last night, we finished the first book of a very short trilogy called The Singer, The Song, and The Finale. It's written by Calvin Miller in the 1970s, and I've, I've been reading it to my three youngest kids. I, I really recommend this this trilogy. It, it chronicles the life of Jesus calling him the singer or the troubadour, uh, and, and he is the son of Earthmaker, and then it goes into the, the book of Acts and then into the finale of Revelation as well. But the point is, I thought they did a great job in that book, and I'm not going to go grab it and try to, try to read the chapter of it, but talking about what was going on in the heavens between the Earthmaker and the troubadour when he decided to diminish himself and allow himself to, to be subject or to empty himself out, as Brock is talking about from that passage. So if somebody wants to have a really interesting week of reading. I highly recommend this trilogy called The Singer, The Song, and The Finale. Calvin Miller does a phenomenal job with that. All right. Sounds good. We would still love your questions. You can uh, text them over to 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. And Guy Talk is going to be live next week right here at the University of Northwestern in the Mel Johnson studio on the main floor. There's plenty of room and some open seats We would love for you to come over, bring a friend. All you have to do is text the word EVENT to 877-933-2484. The reason you do that is so we can know you're coming and we'll save a space for you. Uh, So text the word EVENT to 877-933-2484. And this month as well, we're offering this really great um, uh, promotion for Susie Larson's book, Prepare Him Room. So you can make this Christmas a time of joy and reflection and spiritual growth. Her new book is called Prepare Him Room, a daily Advent devotional. And we're giving away two devotional bundles. So you're going to get a couple copies along with some really cool graphic cards. Uh, so you can send those out and encourage people with those. You'll get a book, one for you, one for a friend. All you have to do is sign up at myfaithradio.com to get in on that drawing. We'll take a little break. When we come back, lots more guys talk or guys who talk. Guys that won't stop talking. It's something (laughs) like that. We'll be right back. True.
to the show. It is Guide Talk, or Guys Who Talk. Pastors Tom Brock, Tom Parrish, and Peter Kapsner is the power panel today. Gentlemen, I also want to just say it is um, Veterans Day, so just to honor all the veterans. Amen. Sure is. And all the beautiful men and women that have served our country with such bravery and valor and conviction. Thank you very, very, very much. Absolutely. You guys Wonderful got people. Some, you got some dads that did some cool things. My dad was on uh, Tinian at the end of World War II. He was staff sergeant under Curtis LeMay, so he saw Curtis every day. And he was the head of the whole Army Air Force. He watched the Enola Gay take off. Wow. Tell people what the Enola Gay is, Tom. It was the bomber that took the atomic bomb to Hiroshima. Yep. And my dad was a Marine who fought on Iwo Jima. He and his friend were the only two in his platoon who came out alive. But my dad, through his field glasses, saw them raise the flag over Iwo Jima. Wow. Wow. And Peter wow. was a Cub Scout, so. <laughs> I, I didn't even get that far. I could didn't tie you? a knot. Okay. No, I couldn't tie a knot. You didn't get I, to I, the Wolf Award? No. <laughs> no. You know, yeah, thanks for picking that scat, Bill. I could never make it that far. <laughs> All right. Here's a nice comment. I'm so amazed at the brilliant writing in the Bible. It's so beautifully composed and such a vast vocabulary. I'm just learning about so much, but are these... People highly educated, were the writings somehow edited by scholarly people? No. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is there are over 25,000 extant manuscripts that exist around the world of the New Testament. Now, they're from different periods of time, but they're discovering, and even in the Dead Sea Scrolls, like with the Old Testament, they discovered the language is almost identical. I mean, like 99.9% yep. identical to what we have today, mm-hmm. which is a phenomenal thing to have happen. And could only be done as uh, with a divine hand behind it, the hand of the Lord himself. And just so people know, Matthew was probably Matthew the tax collector. Mm -hmm. Mark was not one of the 12 disciples. He was secretary to St. Peter. Matthew, Mark, Luke was not one of the 12 disciples. He was a doctor who was a traveling companion of the Apostle Paul. John was one of the disciples. And then you've got all the uh, all the letters from from Paul and James and others. But these were normal human people that God spoke through by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And what's impressive about it is you look at Mark, there's a little statement in Mark about the Garden of Gethsemane mm-hmm. where there's a young man who they grabbed his robe and he ran off naked mm-hmm. and it doesn't identify who he is and almost everybody who reads that says, that's Mark himself. Yeah. He was there in the Garden of Gethsemane as <laughs> yeah. a kid. That's the theory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here's a question. Oh, Peter, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, yeah, I just I think I just love that conversation. I find it fascinating that Paul certainly was somebody who had been trained religiously. Mm-hmm. He was one of the the chief scholars of that time. But then you have a failed fisherman and Peter writing some of the other books of the New Testament too. And I'm compelled that it was in the book of Acts chapter two that he really truly didn't understand the entire story of Jesus until he was filled with the Spirit at Pentecost. And then suddenly he was able through the Spirit to just understand the reality of the kingdom in some new kinds of ways. So I find that heartening because I I deal with people with fancy letters and fancy robes uh, all the time, and and some of them are utterly lovely people, but some of them do, as the scriptures talk about, get puffed up in their education. And and I think you can miss the kingdom altogether, even as you might be super educated. And and clearly that was the case with some of the biblical writers. Yeah, Paul the Apostle was super educated. He was an intellectual, and he was using his energies to destroy the church— until they got converted, 
Yeah. And then the rest of his life, he used his intellectual energies to write, like, the Book of Romans, which is probably the most, maybe the most important book in the whole Bible, and it's very systematized. So, you know, there are a lot of really intelligent people that hate the Lord. And once once they get saved, though, they can use their gifts for mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Wayne was asking, how was it that Jesus knew what the critics were thinking when he forgave the sins of the man let down through the roof? Mm-hmm. Great question, Wayne. Well, well, we're not saying that Jesus didn't know, doesn't, didn't have any supernatural knowledge. When we say that Jesus emptied himself, then uh, that you know he knew, uh, you know he knew some stuff that I mean, the demons, even the demons knew who Jesus was. So, just having supernatural knowledge doesn't mean you're from God. So, the question again was. How, how did how he know that when Jesus he, well, knew what the critics were thinking? You know, either it was supernatural knowledge because yep. he's God, yep. or I think everybody would have known that the Pharisees were going to get upset when he said, "I forgive your sins." Right. <laughs> that one wasn't quite so big of a leap. But didn't doesn't Scripture say that he knew what what that they were thinking before he forgave them, before he forgave him of his sins? I don't yes. think it's he. Uh, it says uh, that he oh, knew yes, what they it, were thinking. Yes, Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he said, "Which is easier to yeah. say." Uh, I forgive your sins or get up and walk. And you can't but, so that you will know. So there you go, Tom Brock. You're memorizing scripture. Twice. Yeah. That, that, that cancels redemption. out the two wrong ones. No, it doesn't. Oh. No, I decided that. <laughs> In my ministry. The strengths are permanent. That's what I <laughs> In my ministry, I've had this happen a number of times, where right? I have somebody come in for counseling, and I'm getting nowhere, absolutely nowhere. Nothing's connecting. Pray with them. Nothing's connecting. Nothing's working. And then all of a sudden, I get this what some call word of knowledge. It just comes out of the blue. It, it's just, and I've said to somebody, okay, tell me, Bill, when you were a young man in third grade, what happened that changed your life? And I've actually watched people's faces go blank on me and say, how did you know? Now, I didn't have all the details, and uh, many call that a word of knowledge. That was common with the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And, of course, yeah. he infused that into Jesus, and that's how Jesus then spoke so intelligently. I just did a... TV show on this. Once one Christmas Eve, I'm preaching and I, I I prepare my sermons. And if you go to three sermon three services in a row that I do, you get almost word by word the exact same sermon. So I'm preaching on Christmas Eve, and it comes out of my mouth. But you know it is wrong to have sex outside of marriage. I'm thinking where I that wasn't in my notes. What is this about? And a mom comes up. Thank you, Pastor Brock. I got my daughter to church tonight, and she's living with her boyfriend. Thank you so much for saying that. And that's the kind of, that's in a way a word of knowledge, or it's just better the Lord can use us unconsciously, you know? I have one more true story, Bill, if we have time. I'm preaching. I'm at Trinity Lutheran in Minnehaha Falls many years ago. It's Life Sunday. We always preached about life and about, you know, the Lord knew us before we were created in the womb. And I did three services that Sunday, and I'm in the third service, and I'm tired, and I'm ready to go home, and I'm preaching away. And toward the end of it, for whatever reason, I can't tell you why except the Holy Spirit, said, tell them what you've told your boys. Well, my boys were younger. Uh, they were like, you know, 15, 13, around that age. I said, we have talked to our boys and said to them, quite frankly, you know, no sex before marriage. If you sin and do that, it's still a sin. But you're just as responsible if she gets pregnant. You will care for that child. And if she doesn't want that child, we'll help her carry it full term. We'll adopt that child. What's interesting about it, two years later, a woman comes walking up to me in the congregation with a little baby, beautiful baby, about a year and a half old or whatever. She said, this is your baby. Mm -hmm. I said, what do you mean it's my baby? She said, two years ago, my son came to church for the first time in 10 years. He's been living with his girlfriend. 
She got pregnant. They were having an abortion at 9 a.m. on Monday morning. He heard the message. He came under such conviction. He right. went back and begged her not to do this. They didn't. This is her. And then five years ago, I'm out at uh, Perkins, and this lady walks in, grandmother, and she goes, I want you to meet my granddaughter who's getting married. It was the same baby now, 22 oh, years old. Wow. Mm. Wow. Wow. That and more coming up next week on Guy Talk Live. <laughs> more babies? <laughs> no, not more babies, oh. but I mean, more fascinating discussion oh, such as that. Is there a dress code? Um, yeah, I would hope you'd dress up a little bit. Okay. I'm trying today. I'm already kind yeah, of. You got the coat on tonight. You've never Tom done Parrish. that before, Tom. I know. Tom is wearing a sport coat. I know. I am. You're looking, looking stylish. Good. I'm trying. Yeah. <laughs> so here's a question. Um, in Luke 1, talks about uh, Zacharias being advanced in years. And he still appears to be doing the work of a priest as he was selected to burn incense in the temple. Do we have any idea of how old Zacharias may have been? The reason we ask is because in Numbers 8.25 it says a priest is to stop his duties at age 50. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't think we we know how old. This is one of those questions with the Scripture... It's always so helpful to remember that the gospel writers were not trying to write biographies about Jesus. Clearly, these are actual things that happen. I'm not suggesting that. What I'm suggesting is that they were writing to make a theological point, and so they they took the different um, stories of Jesus and the teaching, and they they did what's called redacted them, or they shaped their story in a way to make a point. And so, you know, Matthew was being written to a Jewish community. Luke was being written to Gentiles. John was fighting Gnosticism. There's just there's a lot that's there. So I think. We end up with a lot of very understandable questions about the text, but unfortunately, it's almost always speculation about how to answer them, and and especially because the writers weren't trying to just write a straight biography, here's what happened. They were taking what happened, and they were making a theological point out of it. Yep, and beware of preachers that add stuff to the scriptures that aren't in there. I mean, when you hear someone say, you know, Mary was probably 14 years old when she had the baby Jesus, the Bible doesn't say that. You know, right. it, it, did they get married earlier than we do? Yeah. But, I mean, when when you just got to be careful not to add stuff to Scripture. I think the writers in the New Testament did exactly what we've done here in this program, what I just did in telling the story about the baby and the abortion and the whole work. I didn't tell you what color the baby's hair was. I didn't tell you what dress the grandmother was wearing yeah. because that's yep. not important. That's no. not the point of the story. Yeah. And that's what the New Testament does. They give us the point. Here's a comment. Uh, A friend of mine just died, 58 years old. I'm sorry about that, Mm. of cancer. She was a Christian, but her four adult kids and husband are agnostic. One daughter told me that she was frustrated that the only comfort people tried to give her were Bible verses. It annoyed her. I love the Bible and have been studying its origins. It makes me want to know how to respond to generations under me about the historical authority and reliability of the Bible, not to mention that it is truly God's word to us. Good point. And where they don't see an authority, it's hard to make it an authority. What I've learned to do over the years with people is this, that although they are not ready to hear Scripture verses of comfort, I can be Scripture to them. I can be there with them. I can listen to them. I can spend time with them. I can fellowship with them. And along the way, Bill, the Lord opens doors to begin to share some of those scripture verses. And I've actually had people say to me, you know, they didn't even know I was a pastor. They would say, well, where do you get that idea from? Mm. And then I'm able to say, Jesus, let me tell you where. So be the scriptures to this this family is as important as actually sharing the scriptures with them. There is- I love that comment, Parrish. I was just about that idea of being the scriptures, because I think 
the scriptures don't tell us what to do in every given situation in life. There, there's not a one-to-one relationship between my situation and a scripture verse that will directly tell me what to do about it. And so even if you think of something as serious and significant as somebody maybe that you would choose to marry, well, it doesn't say thou shalt marry that person in Ephesians 16 or something like that. You, you have to be able to work within the wisdom of the kingdom. And, and so when you read a passage like from the book of James, where it says, hey, if you're lacking wisdom or you're lacking the ability to see the situation as God might see it and know how to act and be and talk within that situation, if you're lacking that kind of wisdom, just ask. And God gives generously. He doesn't find fault. Now, don't ask God among many different kinds of sources, otherwise you'll be tossed to and fro, says James. But just simply ask, and God will give you wisdom. So I, I, I sympathize with the what the writer or what the, the listener is writing in today, because I think we can, as you just said, Parrish, we can be Scripture to people. I'm not talking about we're the inspired Word of God to people. I'm talking no. about we can be the manifestation of the kingdom with the wisdom of God inhabiting us by the power of his spirit in any given moment to bring life and hope and healing. This is what it means actually to be Christ-like, to, to be agents of reconciliation and ambassadors and all that. So yeah, yeah I, I, Scripture, I mean, I don't think any listener who's listened to the show for any length of time would say anything other than how much we love the Scriptures and see them as inspired as, right. and authoritative. But we also have to understand the Scriptures are actually teaching us how to live with wisdom in any given situation. And sometimes you don't jump in with a Bible verse. I mean, when right. my sister and her husband had her had their baby, she, the baby was born with a brain tumor and had an agonizing nine months before the baby died. And we we had a good pastor in Omaha. He just died. And Pastor Schaff told my sister something to this effect. His, his point to her was, well, you're going to have some very well-meaning people say some really stupid stuff like, of well, course. you know, God need another angel in heaven. We don't say yeah. that, you know. Mm-hmm. So right. just there's time to s- speak the scriptures and then there's time just to be quiet and love people, you know. I always think when Lazarus died, John eleven thirty five, Jesus wept. There you yeah. go. Wow. Mm-hmm. Let me take a break. We come back. More guy talk. Say next week. One week from today is Guy Talk Live, which means we will be here uh, and you can come and watch and be part of the uh, broadcast, which will be a 90-minute version of Guy Talk. So all you have to do to come is uh, let us know you're coming. So text the word uh, event to 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. Just text the word event. We'll get you signed up. No cost. Lots of fun. You're going to have a great afternoon. We'll be right back. guys are not paying attention, but they are now. Excuse me. I, I just gave them both kind of <sighs> that look that says, pay attention. Stop talking. <sighs> we right. get the look, we obey. Yeah. Pastors Tom Brock, uh, Tom Parrish, Peter Kapsner. The lineup 007 is somewhere, but who knows where. We're not, we're not going to talk about him today. No, no. No. All right, here's a question. At our church group last night, somebody brought up a great question that one of their fellow family members is working through. The person doesn't believe that God is sovereign and that he doesn't know the future. 
There's a verse found in Exodus 34 where God changed his mind because of Moses pleading with him on Israel's behalf. Any insight on how this still shows God's sovereignty and simply what it means for us to be human and interacting with him? One of the things I always tell people is you cannot take an individual verse and make a theology out of it. You've got to look at the whole of Scripture. You know, and the whole of Scripture, there, there's more testimony to the fact that the Lord does not change his mind, that the Lord knows exactly what he's doing. But in that context, what we, we see is that Moses pleading with the Lord for the people. Did the Lord change his mind? I don't think he changed his mind the way we think of changing his mind. But I think that Moses stood for the people that he like he never had before, and the Lord honored that. It wasn't the Lord changing his mind. The Lord already knew it was going to happen. It's awfully hard to maintain the belief that God doesn't know the future if you read the Bible. Mm-hmm. I mean, he predicts the future. If he doesn't know it, how could he predict right. it? Right. So that, that one's a bit of a leap. Uh, it, it's a good hard question. What does it mean when it says God changed his mind after Moses pleaded? Well, I think God knew he was going to change his mind. He said to Moses, I'm going to destroy them, knowing Moses would intercede. So, mm. <laughs> Yeah, I, w- I, w- I wish I had something to add on that that's one. Okay. That's okay. I got that's lots a, of questions. We can keep moving. Yeah, that's a tricky one for yeah. sure. We just lost a family member in her 30s who died of a heart attack. We know that she was not in God's family, nor did she have any desire to be. Her parents are not either, but we feel the need to say something to the parents because they are older already, and the father has already had several strokes. We know this isn't the time, but how do we address the question then when they say, well, where is my daughter? We don't know 100% if she did not accept Christ, but she died of a heart attack, so it was instantaneous. I have one friend that lost her daughter, and she said, wherever my daughter is is where I want to be. It's just so hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is like when you are asked to give a funeral sermon for someone who had no relationship with God. Mm-hmm. I do those for funerals. I know you do. Oh, and yeah. I just, you know what I do? I say, well, we're here to gather and to say goodbye and, and feel the loss of you've lost your sister and mother or whatever. And I do all that. But then I don't talk at all about where Judy is for eternity. That's not my place, even if she's a believer. I just say now... We're all going to have a day like this where we have a funeral. Do you know where you would be right now if today was your funeral? And then I launch into the gospel. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, with this situation, I think you share the gospel with this older couple. And if they bring it up, well, where's Judy? I'd say, well, only the Lord knows because sometimes we do convert in our last moment on earth. Yeah. And, that, and I'd leave it at that. Their daughter, what if their daughter's name isn't Judy? Oh, <laughs> that would be... That's a different story. That would be, be a different story. <laughs> <laughs> That's strike three, Bill. That's, okay. <laughs> That's pretty much, you're done. Okay, bye-bye. Yeah, but he will be available next week at Guy Talk Live. <laughs> Wearing my tux. I think part of it is, and I would counsel this person, again, spending time as you can with his family, making the phone calls, just talking to them, because right now they're dealing out of a tremendous hurt. They're not getting to the deep part of their soul yet. And it's amazing. I believe eternity is in everyone's heart, as Solomon said. It's in their heart, too. And it's a matter of time until they begin to open up. And, yeah, he may have had a couple of strokes. He may be near the end. But it's always in the Lord's timing. And to be there and to try to listen is very important. And I remember leading a man to Jesus who was an atheist all his life, literally in the last 10 minutes of his life. It does happen, and the Lord can make that happen. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, here's a question. What would, how would you answer someone who doesn't believe the Bible is inherent and holds to a liberal theology? 
Well, the first thing I'd ask them is, uh, can you show me the the archaeological evidence that tells you it isn't inerrant and that it isn't historically accurate? Because I've got so much historical evidence and archaeological evidence, I could spend the next day with you just talking about it. Mm-hmm. So what are you basing your belief on, on your just your opinion, or do you have evidence? And I would really go after and, them and on the evidence. Sometimes when people say, well, you know, the Bible is so full of errors, sometimes you say politely, okay, can you can you tell me one that you're thinking of? Yeah. And you'll often get, ah, uh, well, but sometimes they can. Well, how can the Bible says this and then it says this? And if they've got a good issue, then you you wrestle with them a little bit. And so, yeah, and you can humbly say, I don't know how that fits together. God does. Mm-hmm. But they're, they're, we got to be humble when we do this. But there you go. You're sounding too much like me, Tom. Oh, I am. I'm sorry. There you guys. Go. All right, here's a question from my wingman, Terry. How do you have a discussion with someone who only knows what Christianity is through movies, TV, and social media uh-huh. who makes this statement? The Bible is an outdated book which holds antique uh, views on our evolved and progressed society and culture. Whoa. Yeah, I'd love to talk to those people. Yeah. I, I, you know what I'd go after? What? This culture is evolved we kill 3500 babies a day in america and you call this culture where you can't turn where you can't open up your computer without getting pornography you call this an evolved we're you know we're devolving not evolving in america again i want to challenge people to their evidence how did you come to the conclusion how did you come to that idea show me what you've got and then if you have time i'll show you what i've got and we take it from there that's wise peter anything <laughs> I've just been sitting here thinking these last four questions have been absolute whoppers that are really, really <laughs> difficult to to address on a radio show. I, I mean, they're fabulous questions. They're great questions, but, I, but they're big. I just want the listeners, yeah, they're big. I want the listeners to know these are the kind of questions that you literally will spend maybe four to eight hours on each in, in a seminary level kind of classroom. And, uh, and there's just so much in each of them. So, so if you, if you feel like you're being left wanting just a little bit by our ability to address it in 30 to 60 seconds on a radio show, it, you just know you're really tapping in as listeners to some of the really, really big questions of the faith. But honestly, Bill, I think we, we need to find context for people that aren't ever going to go to seminary to really walk in these things because they can be very paralyzing questions for a lot of people that they end up just saying, well, I don't know that I'm going to follow this whole Christian thing. They don't really seem to have any good answers for the, for this stuff. But the, once you investigate them all, there there really is, as Parrish has indicated, and, and Brock, you said it too, the evidence really does weigh heavily in favor of the scriptures and um, and them being inerrant. And and there are ways to think about what it meant that God changed his mind that would be faithful to the scripture and uh, and even um, yeah, any of these topics, really. But boy, they really are the topics that we spend hours and hours and hours with in seminary. And, you know, I, I love a book that changed my life called Evidence That Demands a Verdict by Josh McDowell. Josh McDowell yeah. I mean, I was a believer in college, but I had real doubts. Mm-hmm. Reading that book Evidence that demands a verdict by Josh McDowell really helped me see there is archaeological evidence, it's all out you know, there. reasonable uh, stuff. Just, just there, there's a book I'd put in this person's hands if he'd be open to it. Mm-hmm. If, the, if people think that this program is in depth today, wait till next Thursday when it's you we have wait, the audience. You wait. Way to plug the uh, the live <laughs> event, Tom <laughs> Paris. That's usually my job, and you show up and go, wait, come next week. Yeah, if you want to come next week, text the word event to 877-933-2484. We'll get you included in on this uh, wild group of people. It's going to be a lot of fun. Great uh, comment from a listener that said uh, regarding memorizing the Bible, I have listened to Ephesians on my phone 
every day since the start of the lockdown. By now, wow. I've memorized it without trying. Wow. Wonderful. Started by being encouraged by Faith Radio back then to start a good habit rather than complaining about the lockdown. Wow. Thanks, Faith Radio. Thank wow. you. Mm. Yeah, that's great. That is great. So that's all the time we have for today. But next week is going to be a full 90 minutes, the extended Br- British version, all four Pastors Tom Brock, Tom Parrish, Peter Kapsner, and 007 Justin Jepson will be live and in person right here at the University of Northwestern in Mel Johnson's uh, um, building, and we'd love for you to be a Bill, part of that. can people still get tickets? You just interrupted me, Tom. <laughs> I was trying to do what Tom just did. You complimented him. Yeah. Wow, Tom. Yes, you can still get tickets. We're making this look real organic right now. So all you have to do is text the word event to 877-933-2484. We return that with a link, and then you say, yeah, I'd love to come, and here's my name, and we'll put you down, and then we'll have a seat saved for you. We'll reserve a place for you. So that's all we have for today, but we're excited uh, for next week live and in person. We can't wait to meet you, have some fun together, study God's Word, answer some questions, and connect with you. It's been a while since we've done this, so we're looking forward to it. Make time, make plans. Text the word event to 877-933-2484. Take a break. When we come back, uh, Sky Jathani is going to be my guest. He's written a new book called What If Jesus Was Serious About Prayer? Hmm. That's all coming up next. Be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.